0: And when he- this hearing is concluded, I'll be writing to all DPS staff in similar terms. Uh, and I'm happy to table uh, the text of the email that will be sent uh, for the committee's information. May I just
1: clarify, Senator Kitching, are you referring to, and Mr. Stephanie,
2: are you responding to the story where there were some
3: uh, allegations about a uh, white powder and Bunnings suits and masks being
2: used that I've read on Buzzfeed, is that the um, one? So I think there's others. a number, there's one that occurred. Well, in fact, there's a number in the past year.
0: Is it on? Look, I'm going to uh, shirt front, Mr Putin.
2: I will not be lectured about
4: sexism and misogyny by this man. I will not. No, wait, It is on?
0: Uh, You bet you are. Uh, You bet I am.
4: I don't like it.
0: Oh, fair shake of the sauce bottle, mate. Well, may we say God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor-General.
4: Hello, and welcome to episode 41 of BuzzFeed Australia's political podcast, Is It On? We are recording this on the afternoon of Wednesday, the 23rd of May. The year is 2018. My name is Alice Workman, and it is... Estimates, good times, come on You're shaking your head Nick, come on get involved I will
5: Will never get involved
4: Yeah, it's estimates
5: I will never get excited for anything that comes out of this building
4: In case you can't tell, Lane Sainty is on holidays And so I'm joined by the one and only Nicholas Ray
5: Hi Alice, hello That is my Lane Sainty impression (laughs) Do it again Alice, hello
4: Oh that's so Lane Sainty, you've Uh, nailed
5: it I had more time to perfect my mark de stefano <laughs> but i don't want him to yell at me
4: so we've been on a podcast hiatus for a while because we've been uh preparing our Ospol live twitter show that we're doing at 11 a.m uh wednesday mornings every sitting week uh we kicked it off two weeks ago with the budget special uh um but you know a few people told me you know they're overseas they're in different time zones hard for them to watch the Twitter live show and, you know, they don't just, they don't get enough out of those short little snippets that we put up on Twitter. So I thought, you know what? Here we go. I'll put the whole thing up as a podcast. People can get involved. Who was on the show this week, Nick? We had uh, uh, Tom McElroy from the Australian Financial Review, who, uh, like me, loves a bit of estimates fun.
2: Mr. Anderson, did so you, have you ever said... I'll burn this security division to the ground and start again with other people to a number of staff, including in a lift. You've said it on a number of occasions, apparently. I'm just giving you an opportunity to respond.
3: I've, apparently, Senator. But uh, I, I don't recall saying that, but I might have said that.
0: You might I'd have said that. I can't recall. Yeah, well... So senator, you can get
2: rid of p- people you don't like. No, no, Senator... Well, let me put this in context. There's a number
3: of issues that I encountered when I when I took over the, the branch. There's a number of things that need correcting within the security branch. Um, I wasn't referring to people at all. If I made that statement, oh, I can't recall making that statement.
2: But you might have said. That.
3: But I might have.
5: It sounds like something I might have said. Oh, my God, this building.
4: Yeah, we had a chat. We had a great chat about um, Bluey, who's just a normal punter. Not a Queensland. punter,
5: an Australian hero.
4: The Australian hero who flipped off the Prime Minister after he allegedly cut in line at the pub?
5: No matter who it is, no matter what side of the political party, do not cut in line at the pub.
4: Yeah. It's just... Jeez, Malcolm. Malcolm. What's going on? You think you know your fellow man. That's the first rule
5: (laughs) of being in Australia. If there's one thing we don't like here is ball tampering and cutting in line at the pub.
4: Ball tampering.
5: That that joke's like two months old.
4: Balls. Yeah. Sticky tape. I am across that issue.
5: We love sport
4: um <laughs> we also spoke to labor senator kimberly kitching uh i've been doing some investigations into uh white powder incidents in parliament house there was one a couple of weeks ago in the prime minister's office and you know what it sounds like something out of the batuta advocate nick but the security guards of parliament house told me they wear seven dollar bunnings disposable painting suits when they test powder that let's face it could be anthrax
5: I have never gotten anything not good from Bunnings. I'm just throwing that out there.
4: Yeah, there is a nice... uh, What? You've never not got... You've only ever bought good things, is that what you're trying to say? Yes. Lowest prices guarantee.
5: There was a better way for me to word that, but I am shit at speaking.
4: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I think, like, the joke here is that, you know, the government says that we're living within our means, but does that really extend to, you know, national security white powder threats? I don't think it should, but that's my opinion. Uh, Now, there is a delightful visual gag in the Kimberly Kitchen interview of Nick. Uh, Nick comes onto the set dressed in... what We went to Bunnings and we bought some of these um, overalls. Uh, look, the pictures are worth it. Go to my Twitter page. Go to the um, BuzzFeed, OzPol Twitter page. Look, I might put them up on Facebook too, just to embarrass you. How do you feel about that?
5: I think the whole look, office did great. the thing on Twitter. Where... It looked
4: great, especially after we ripped them and we got a bit of... They
5: test. ripped so easy. They
4: ripped so easy.
5: It was... I, I went to go put my left foot in to try it out in the morning and it was a rip that this, like any, any white powder could have gotten through that and I don't know.
4: Wild, 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 wild. Well, this um, is
5: now gone. Yeah. <laughs> it was
4: fine. Okay. Kyla in from the Daily Telegraph and Phoebe Went from the West Australian also joined us to talk on our journal panel. Um, any goss, Nick? Anything you've seen around the building? Anything people should know?
0: Uh, it's
5: still Canberra.
4: What did someone say to you when they saw you wearing that bunning suit?
5: No. So I came out of uh, the segment with the bunning suit and I think it was someone from Sky. They <laughs> saw me come out with the full suit on backing out slowly because <laughs> we were still live on our broadcast. So I backed up really slowly and cautiously yeah. and she's looking at me like petrified and he's like, what is going on in that BuzzFeed office? Is there <laughs> Anthrax? And then I didn't want to say anything because you guys will hear me and I just looked at her with a stare. So... <laughs> I don't know whether. We're going
4: that... a real ref around this building. I don't
5: know if the security threat in the office mm. is, like, in the whole Parliament House has gone up because of that one incident, but yeah, nothing... I yeah.
4: So people, if you if you don't realise, we are filming this live Twitter show from the bunker, from our tiny office. With no reception here in Parliament House, the internet here um, is great, and anyone could really walk in and walk in, like walk in on it, like this, like we literally. There's just a door. It's not like a like a TV set or anything. Sky don't
5: even fully close their studio door. I walk by and I just hear them talking and everything. Yeah.
4: Well, yeah, I, I think our office is. What would it be less than five meters from Sky? I can hear Kieran Gilbert for three hours every morning mm. bellowing down the. Corridor. I
5: think it's more of a trust thing. They don't trust anyone to run and jump in and photo like video bomb their live segment. I'm pretty sure the employers of that oh. person would might might be a little bit angry.
4: Well, I was gonna say. I mean, who's watching? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I love you, Sky. Okay, you're very nice to me. Um. Uh. Okay, our next live Twitter show will be at eleven a.m. next Wednesday. Wednesday, the thirtieth of May, and Nick. You know who is up in estimates and next a week. It's only Michaela Cash, the jobs minister. Now, will we get any answers about the AFP raids at the AWU offices that her office tipped the media off about? Um, look, hot tip. No we won't. Um, especially after the AFP were up in estimates this afternoon. And they shut that shit down. They said, we ain't answering no questions about nothing. It's been 211 days. They won't even say how many people they've interviewed or how many people they're going to interview at all when, or when when they're going to complete their investigation or why it's taking so long.
5: Speaking of interviews, what is the chance What is the chance of us getting Kelly a cash on here? <laughs> I know, but if we just have everyone tweet at her going, do is it on... Or do... <laughs> do,
4: is it on? That yeah. makes
5: no sense. <laughs> Just uh, first, A, do you know what BuzzFeed is?
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, but... I think she definitely knows who we are. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, if everyone has tweets of Michaly Cash asking her to come on our live show... On or... our
4: live show, yeah. Yeah, let's Hashtag do it. Hashtag Yeah.
5: No, like, do it like...
4: Mickey KK.
5: Yeah, she definitely has Cash her notifications money. on. Oh, my God, do
4: you want to know a fun fact? Yeah, what? Uh, her husband's surname is Price. Yeah. So they are Cash Price.
5: That is like a, the best wrestling game yeah, ever. I
4: think he says Richard Price. Let me just double check.
5: Cash Price.
4: Yeah, Richard Price. Her husband's name is Richard Price. Uh-huh. Um, he's a barrister. But yes, uh, before we get carried away <laughs> talking about that, uh, let's get on with this week's Estimates Later podcast. Please hit us up on the Twitters. I am at Workman Alice. What's your Twitter handle? At Nick Ray?
5: Yeah, I went all out on that.
4: <laughs> oh, you can use the hashtag BFOzPoll. That's it for us for this week. Thank you for listening. Bye. Gotcha. It is strange to think that only two weeks ago I was here talking to Treasurer Scott Morrison the morning after the budget because it's safe to say two weeks on, who cares what budget? We're not even really talking about the budget this week. Everyone's moved on. The Liberals are butting heads over what to do over live exports. And last night, Liberal backbencher Andrew Hastie made uh, some rather disturbing allegations in the Federation Chamber about a Chinese-Australian political donor who's being investigated by the FBI. And... In some breaking news, we finally have a replacement for Labor. Senator Katie Gallagher, who of course was booted from Parliament over her dual citizenship. His name is David Smith. He is the head of Professionals Australia, which is not a union, more like a lobby group. So he runs what is deemed a lobby group. We'll be finding a bit more about him in a minute. So we've got a replacement for Katie Gallagher, but we still do not have a date for Super Saturday. Of course, the Five by-elections, so for the four lower house MPs that were also found to be dual citizens and booted from parliament and also for the seat of Perth. Uh, but what do we know about these by-elections? We don't have a date. We know that the Liberals aren't running over in WA, but they are running. Georgina Downer in in uh, Adelaide. And we also know that One Nation are going to be running in Longmont, which could be the reason they have decided to renege on company tax cuts this week, throwing the government's well. Much anticipated company tax cuts that they have been hyping up for months, pretty much throwing them under the bus. So, we will be speaking with Labor Senator Katie, Lady Senator Kimberly Kitching in a couple of minutes. She has been grilling Australia's top public servants. All this week in estimates about a couple of really important security incidents in the building that we've been reporting on. So we'll be speaking to her in a minute. We'll also be joined by the political reporters, Kyla Lusickian from The Daily Telegraph and Phoebe Wan from the West Australian to cover everything else that's happened in Australian politics this week. But first up, I just wanted to mention something that we'll be talking about in a few minutes. One of the things that have gone viral overnight, we all love an estimates Fiery chat, and there was explosions yesterday between Matthias Coleman and Penny Wong when he compared her to One Nation leader Pauline Hansen. We'll be looking at the clip in a minute, but this has been my favorite tweet of the week. It is from Nadal New, and it says, When I grow up, I want to be Penny Wong. Well, We'll get more more on that in just a minute. But I want to know what you guys think. Shoot me a tweet with the hashtag BFOZPOL. That is B-F-O-Z-P-O-L. I'm also at Workman Alice on Twitter. And you can send me any questions you've got, any comments you've got from Australian politics or from estimates this week. I love estimates. You love estimates. Let's talk about estimates. It's a great time of year. Uh, But first off, I want to spend... Just a little bit of time talking about cost of living pressures, which we were talking about last episode. We know that start and Youth Allowance haven't gone up in the last 20 years, and I wanted to share with you a story about one student from Western Australia. Her name is Roxanne. She was in a really serious car accident a few years ago where she had some pretty bad injuries, so it's taken her a few years, but she is finally fulfilling her dreams of becoming a mature age student at the University of Western Australia, studying psychology Um, But you know what, like thousands of students around the country, she's worried. She's worried that she can't make ends meet because she is on disability support pension. She doesn't get enough money to study as well. She's also worried about the rising costs of higher education. Treasurer Scott Morrison, when he was on last episode, said that, yeah, the Liberals are going to continue to look at increasing the cost of university fees. So just like any politically savvy person, Roxanne decided to call the prime minister's office. And this is what they said to her.
0: I am the daughter of a
5: migrant bus driver who became a single parent on welfare, who became a casual worker on minimum wage, who became a professor with an international reputation, who stands in this chamber today. I think I know a little bit about aspiration, or at least the kind of aspiration that people like me contend with every day.
4: So the government wants young Australians to be aspirational and they keep telling them to get out there and study and get jobs. But when Roxanne called up the Prime Minister's office and said, Malcolm Turnbull, what should I do? His advice, quit uni or go work at Coles. It's really disturbing advice when we're living in this, live within our means age for a lot of young Australians who are struggling every single day. But heck, you know, you could always follow the PM's advice about how to buy a house, go find some rich parents. Practical advice, I think. <laughs> Find some rich parents, go work at Coles, or just quit. Just give up. Ah, why not? Hit me up with your thoughts on BF BFOZPOL. Tom McElroy from the Australian Financial Review. Welcome to Buzzseat OZPOL.
1: Great to be in the bunker. Thank you, Alice.
4: Now, you're an <coughs> estimates fan. I'm an estimates fan. Let's talk estimates. The clip that has gone viral overnight. Penny wonk. Matthias Cormann, he compared her to One Nation leader Pauline Hanson. First off, let's take a look.
0: Any, any? Yeah, our budget is a very good budget for pensioners, I would put it to you. But I'm not, this is, I'm putting, I'm putting mm. Senator Hanson's mm. ass. I'm just trying to clarify. But I, I, I know that you always like channelling Senator Hanson. Actually, that's a little offensive. Well, she thinks people like me were swamping Australia. Actually, you, 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 you're, no, you're no, speaking I, We don't channel and... Pauline Hanson. You're the ones who cosy up to her and let her write tax policy no, and well, government that's, that's, policy in order to that. get your vote. I, I well, don't tell that. me I channel Pauline we are, Hanson. Taking, I find that personally are, offensive. We are, we are. I can tell you what happened to me and my family and people like us when she stood up in the parliament, order. possibly before we, you were here, saying Australia was in danger being swamped by Asians. We, order. we, I will we never take our do responsibility seriously yeah, well, to seek to achieve a consensus for the economic growth agenda that we took Wrong to the last election, that in the border, context border. of well, the Labour Party taking a well, reckless, pit, you and irresponsible approach, you should withdraw well, it. I did not want to cause offence, Senator. Yeah, you well, you should like, withdraw it. Well, so, someone Asian? You, you, you're channeling calling hands. That is confected How outrage. Da- no. It is not confected. No, no, hang water. on.
4: So, Tom, what happened in the lead-up to the exchange? Why did this all go down?
1: Labor's strategy yesterday in Parliament, in estimates and in question time, was to probe the government about their deal with Pauline Hanson. This
4: so-called secret deal. That's right. A new buzzword.
1: It's been splashed across the newspapers, (laughs) but for some reason it's a secret deal. Um, Penny Wong was pushing the finance minister, Matthias Cormann, who's been leading the negotiations, and she uh, clearly, clearly got him a bit irked. He accused her of channeling Pauline Hanson. Obviously, this is a sensitive topic given uh, Penny Wong's Malaysian heritage. No, she was
4: born in Malaysia, moved to Australia when she was eight.
1: Yeah, yeah. They they had a bit of a uh, rapprochement on Twitter later that night and apologised and and, and uh, paid tribute to each other and their professionalism. But it was a heated moment and it really reverberated through the building. People were heading to that estimates hearing bloody quickly.
4: Yeah, and a lot of people reacted online when uh, the finance minister accused her of being confected with her outrage. And yeah. Pauline Hanson went and went radio later that day and said she was was acting. What, what do you think? Was she acting? Was it genuine th- outrage? There's a lot of performance in estimate.
1: Oh, it's huge performance from all sides at all times. Penny Wong takes it very seriously. She brings a real prosecutorial approach. Mm. I don't think it was confected, but there's no doubt that senators use this as an opportunity to uh, get on the news, to to position themselves well. Perhaps there was some of that in Labor's approach.
4: More importantly, let's not focus on the outrage too much. Did we find out anything about this secret deal?
1: No, the government remains pretty tight-lipped. Matthias Cormann all along has said that Pauline Hanson has talked about the uh, apprenticeship program, but yes. um, the government hasn't revealed that. Probably, it wasn't in
4: the budget paper. That's
1: right, and probably the deal isn't happening anyway given that the company tax cuts aren't going to pass the Senate anytime soon.
4: All right, well, I want to talk next about the most annoyed public servant estimates this week, which was definitely the head of the Public Service Commission, John Lloyd, who spent two days refusing to say... Whether or not he's under investigation, let's take a look at what he said.
0: And um, I just felt annoyed uh, by what had transpired. So I, as I do with uh, friends and colleagues, you explain how you're feeling. You're often asked, <laughs> yes. "What do you think about it?" Or a puppy. So after you're asked questions at Senate Estimates about your what we regard as partisan contact with the IPA, you then send an email. What to the IPA? Someone at the IPA complaining about it. Oh, my, my observation.
4: So, Tom, walk me through this. What is he allegedly under investigation for? Did we get it confirmed? Is he? Is he not? Is it on? Is it on top?
1: John Lloyd says he's not under investigation. Earlier, Prime Minister and Cabinet said that there was an investigation happening. There's some gap between those statements. He's previously worked for the Institute of Public Affairs, the right-wing boogeyman of (laughs) federal politics, Uh, and Labor was asking questions about emails that he'd sent to the IPA. Previously, there's been some controversy about his criticism of Penny Wong's performance in estimates in these emails. Mm. We found out yesterday that after he was asked about the emails to the IPA, Last estimates, he sent another email to the IBA. Oh my God,
4: John! What are you doing? Um,
1: So we're not we're not exactly clear. The um, the public service commission is a pretty anonymous role, but his job in part is to enforce the code of conduct of the public service. Right. And Labor believes that in his partisan activities, he's breached that code. So Mm. there's a real problem here. Um,
4: What do you think will happen? Do you think that Labor have a case? Will do you think he'll go?
1: I don't think he'll go. I don't think there's any chance the government will move against him. I'm speculating here, but um, he, he will have uh, thought that he's come out of this okay. Uh, there's, it's not clear that the Public Service Code of Conduct has been breached.
4: Okay, now moving on. <clears throat> Peter Dutton's Home Affairs Committee. The first time Home Affairs at this giant new portfolio has faced estimates and his policy for ID checks at airports came under a bit of scrutiny. Let's take a look at what happened there.
6: Mr Bazzullo, uh, I wanted to ask you uh, what um, thresholds uh, it is intended to include in the legislation uh, that would need to be met before uh, an AFP officer could walk up to someone and say papers please. As the government's announced, well, I don't accept the sort of throwaway line about papers please, but... Well, what what else are they
5: going to say? Well...
6: Um, Show us your ID.
5: I mean, whatever
6: form well, of words you want to use. Well, in your case, you're reasonably well known publicly, so it might not be uh, required. But in the case of someone who's perhaps a bit more anonymous, uh, police are well trained in in polite, courteous engagement. Well, papers, please, is polite enough, isn't it? Well, excuse me, sir. Can I see your ID? I suppose. Whatever. But anyway, um, we won't we won't split we won't split those hairs. Um, papers, please, has got a particular uh, annota- uh, connotation, which I'm sure you're. Um, channelling to uh, people who are interested in um, civil liberties in your and, views. and political rights No, I was just going to say freedoms. your views.
4: Right, Tom, here is what I do not understand. It is not a legal requirement for me to carry ID when I travel around, even at the airport. So if someone comes up to me and says, please, can I see your papers? Or the more polite term, please, sir, can I have a look at your ID? Can I say No.
1: At the moment, the police have the authority to ask. Now, it's not clear what um, exactly will happen under this new proposal. The legislation hasn't been released and yeah. not much is being said under estimate, in estimates at the moment. Um, but if if you don't provide it, you face um, more questions from police or being arrested, under the new rules, there would be a low threshold. We've heard that today, a low threshold for asking for ID. Please, sir, can I see your ID? Um, Michael Pizzullo, who we saw in that clip, has said that he doesn't believe there should be no threshold, but rather a low threshold. So it's still very much, uh, very much unclear how unclear. new It seems very, goes.
4: if you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to fear.
1: Yeah, I think most people carry their ID. I certainly carry my ID, but I'm a bit of a sticker. But you drive
4: a car, so that's probably why you carry it. Yeah, ID, yeah.
1: I, I always have my passport if I'm catching a plane. So I'm old fashioned. Mm-hmm.
4: Really? Even domestically?
1: It's good to have. I don't know. I Jeez, just carry wow. It. Tom,
4: you've said a standard. I feel bad now. Um, now, one other thing in Home Affairs, quickly. what do we get an update on the uh, South African farmers, which, of course, Peter Dutton was giving a lot of hype, suggesting they would get special treatment, maybe skipping some visa queues?
1: Yeah, this has been bubbling away under the surface. It keep, uh, plays into coalition tensions. We've learned so far in estimates in the last day or so, no special priority for the South African farmers. The department says the minister hasn't directed any special treatment for them. But we know there's some applications in the works So some may still arrive here in Australia
4: Okay Tom, we can't uh, talk about estimates without mentioning at least one funny moment Now this is the funny moment of the week It is uh, an exchange that (laughs) happened yesterday And to give you some setup, it is about a, a punter whose name is Bluey Bluey Who claims that the Prime Minister, well alleges that the Prime Minister pushed in front of him at a pub Let's take a look
2: so you wanted a drink, obviously, just as much as the rest of us, and got a little annoyed that Malcolm Turnbull jumped the queue. Bluey responded, "Yeah, it's exactly right. I was there with a friend of a girl, a uh, friend of a girl of mine, and I was there, just there, to have a couple of pokes on the pokies, and I was in line, and I was in line for about at least about five minutes. And as I was at my local. I go there most afternoons after work. And then when I finally got to be served, the Prime Minister just pushed in, and like, what?" I don't care who you are. If you're the PM, when you walk into my local, everyone should be equal. A fair sentiment, one might say. So why did the Prime Minister push in Senator Cormann?
4: Okay, Tom, the Labor Party are definitely siding with Bluey here. What is going on? Is this part of Labor's bigger narrative that you know the prime minister is mr harborside mansion living out there in the eastern suburbs doesn't know doesn't know it's wrong to cut in line at
1: a pub. Well, it's not clear if the PM did cut in line. I think that is exactly what Labour's trying to do, push that narrative, Mr Turnbull's out of touch. Bluey got a $250 fine for giving the PM the finger <laughs> in the pub. That's kind of amazing. He's done a um, GoFundMe campaign and raised more than 500 already, so he's going to have to shout a few rounds at the Clarevale <laughs> Hotel. I yeah, guess. and I think a lot of
4: people are also uh, raising some money to buy him a pub, a yeah, be- yeah, him yeah, a beer, because yeah, he was enough. so outraged with what happened. Fair enough,
1: he, he didn't get his beer. <laughs>
4: Tom, thanks so much for joining me thanks, on Oslo poll live i will catch you on the twitter with more estimates gear later this week and look you know while many politicians here in canberra may have forgotten about the budget it is still hot on the minds of people on the streets of sydney especially what's going on with these personal tax cuts can i get them Now, for the last two weeks, BuzzFeed has been reporting on some security incidents here in Parliament House. We've been talking to some whistleblower security officers who say not only are they not trained properly to do their jobs, but also they don't have the right safety equipment to make sure that they're safe, the politician's safe and... The general public, who of course come to the people's house every day, are safe when they arrive. Uh, Look, the whistleblowers told us they were prompted to speak out after a white powder incident in the Prime Minister's office two weeks ago. Malcolm Turnbull's office was mailed some white powder in an envelope. It was just two days after the budget, but the PM was not in Canberra. He was in Sydney giving a budget lunch, but... Look, the AFP haven't given us any details. They say the investigation is ongoing, but they have said, yes, it happened and they are looking into it. Um, What we do know is that the officers who were put in charge of testing this white power were wearing $7 painting disposable suits that you can buy from Bunnings Warehouse. Now, it sounds like something that the Batuda Advocate will probably write as one of their headlines, but no, it is true. I'm joined now by Labor Senator Kimberley Kitching, who has been persecuting the persecuting, prosecuting, <laughs> probably slip the tongue there, uh, the Department of Parliamentary Services all week now. Senator, you asked about these Bunnings suits. What did the oh, department do. say when, uh, did they confirm or deny that they used well, them? Well,
2: no, they, as they often do, they said they'd have to get back to us. Um, they were going to take it on well,
4: you asked them on
2: Monday. Have we had any word? Oh no, because we've got a there's a six week res- response time after estimates um, for them to come back to us. But of course, sometimes we don't always get an answer back. Um, you know, within the six six week period. Okay. Well so s- anyway, we live in hope.
4: <laughs> well, to save them some trouble, uh, we found one of our own. Here's our he's my producer, Nick, wearing one of the. I'll just zip you up there, Nick, wearing one of these outfits. Give us a twelve. Let's have a look at it. Uh, I'd, well, I'll have you note that. Look, there's no. They're, they're yeah, really really flimsy. Like, look, have a look at this. They're really really flimsy suits. They don't have any arm. Um, protection here, they're not really tight at the wrist and there's nothing covering the face. Obviously, when the security officers do it, they wear masks, but we don't know if they wear goggles. So, I mean, what do you think about this kind of well, a suit? Well,
2: I'm going to give you another example and I think you're very brave for modelling this because <laughs> I'm not sure that this is the most... Um, you know, flattering, and if you were near, anywhere near uh, some white powder spilt, of course, you might not think that that was a very safe no. thing to wear. But I have actually worn um, when I went on an Australian Defence Force uh, trip. I have actually worn a proper hazmat suit. Um, they don't call it that, but it's effectively that. And let thick, me tell it's you, thick it's thick plastic. Um, yeah, it's properly so none of this can happen. It's properly, you know, so it's it's, it's close to the yeah. to the skin. Um, It just isn't. It's because the idea
4: is that if you were testing a hazardous white powder, that you need to wear something so you can't inhale it or it can't get on your skin. Absolutely. Otherwise, you need to shower, and you could something could happen to you.
2: Well, in fact, I think the proper protocol um, from the from emergencies for emergency services personnel, at least in the state of Victoria, is to shower anyway, even when you're wearing. The proper hazmat suiting just so in case just in case because you never know if something a little filament or something might um <laughs> you look really comfortable and <laughs> it's really very very breathable as we can see
4: yeah. well thanks but, so much
2: <laughs> yeah but they're properly you know they've properly sucked in at the neck because obviously you want to keep eyes mouth and hands you know eyes and mouth and um, nose away from any of the hazardous substances
4: yeah yeah, all right. Well, thank you so much, yeah. Nick. For so that probably
2: that. That probably also includes Alice, of course, not dipping your finger into an unidentified oh, and, and powder and tasting <laughs> it. But he did confirm it was sugar. <laughs> so we do have an answer about it was sugar.
4: Oh, well, that's good to know. Yeah. Now, your office has been speaking to a lot of these whistleblowers uh, this week. Yeah. The department has confirmed they're talking to the AFP about trying to track down who is talking to yeah. the media. What what have these officers told you? Are they worried about their jobs?
2: Oh, I think, yes, they're very worried about their jobs. And I think we saw in estimates uh, when the security division said, you know, I asked them, did you say I'm going to burn the security division down and start again? And he sort of said, oh, well, that sort of sounds like something I might have said. And um, but I didn't really mean it like that. And uh, so I think that he did confirm, though, that he had said that and it's entirely inappropriate because I think what they're worried about is that people who obviously are doing that job know what should be done and how that job should be done and it's not being done properly uh, as at the moment and while the security officers are following the protocols that are in place and there are written protocols um, it seems that you know other people more senior officers are just walking through scenes which would normally be roped off and roped off. So in the question of a white powder incident that happened late last year, um, the, you know they were starting to put in place the lockdown procedures because it wasn't was an unidentified white powder, and in fact someone just walked a more senior officer just walked through, and obviously the reason you don't do that is you don't want people, you know you don't you want the minimum number of people exposed, and you want um, you know you want everyone who works in Parliament House to be as safe as possible.
4: Now you uh, obviously there's concerns about lack of training, the lack yeah. of lack of equipment as well. Uh, do you have any wider concerns about how the department is being run? Do you think this speaks to a bigger narrative of what's happening here in Parliament House every day?
2: I think that um, you know, look, I don't. I think there are some people within the Department of Parliamentary Services who are trying to do a really good job, and they are doing it under circumstances that are. Uh, possibly not ideal in terms of human resource management uh, but I think that you know this department has a long history of, of having problems so I don't know whether you're aware or other people your listeners are aware that uh, in fact there was a previous secretary who had angled um, some of the security cameras so she could see whistleblowers going in and out mm. of a particular senator's office um, so that they knew who was speaking to senators. Yeah, it seems like
4: the department really wants and to crack down about people yeah. talking about what's happening but, behind the scenes. Yeah.
2: but my view is that if you can behave in a transparent manner, that's better for everyone. Mm. And I find what is more concerning about the security issues is that, you know, even if you do, the protocols aren't properly being followed, not by the by officers but by some of the more senior officers, the fact trying to obfuscate that actually makes it far worse and much more likely that down the track if there was a serious incident that, you know, a protocol might not be followed. In fact, there might be a cover-up and that would actually be the worst outcome possible.
4: So with DPS not answering questions, do you think that there needs to be a Senate inquiry or what's the next Um, step? I
2: think we'll wait for those questions to come back in and I think that there's enough people who are now concerned on both sides... Uh, of politics, um, and certainly in the crossbench as well, who are very concerned about this and will now be keeping a much closer eye on what happens.
4: Now, I want to quickly ask you about a couple of other topics. Yes. We've got a question from Twitter. Now, something that happened in estimates... Twitter. La- hello, Twitter. <laughs> something that happened in estimates last night. Uh, here's a question. While the government likes to tap on about living within its means, we've already talked about this, uh, estimates found out last night that ministers have been refusing to pay for cabinet meals... So the meals they're provided when they're having cabinet Mm. meetings. Uh, Since around 2015, uh, Labor seemed to take issue with this. Is this really such a bad thing? Ministers getting free food if they're working?
2: Well, I think we also have to remember that, you know, cabinet ministers are paid $380,000 plus per annum. Plus Uh, entitlements. Plus (laughs) plus entitlements, so keep adding (laughs) amounts. But I think the, you know, there's... There seems to be no such thing as a free lunch unless you're a Cabinet Minister. Because remember, this has been a long-standing tradition that Cabinet Ministers have contributed to the cost of their meals. So, and what
4: type of meals are we talking about? We're talking I mean, about well, they like stir-fries m- from Parliament, right? What, so modest,
2: modest they, what do they say? Soup? Modest hot meals, um, salads, so no al- alcohol. and in So fact, we're talking probably, ha- what,
4: $15 a meal that they won't yeah, fork
2: out? Yeah, and I think that really... Um, you know, this has been, you know, not just in the Rudd-Gillard government, but in the Howard government, cabinet ministers have for a very long time contributed to the cost. Mm. And I think that, you know, well, we know from September 2015, it was sort of wound up, the trust fund, you know, that people put money into was wound up. So is that really appropriate? I mean, there's a lot of, um, you know, the Prime Minister himself, for example, is, you know, quite well off, surely <laughs> he doesn't need... Other be, people, he'd be buying and, the reason, and the reason, and the reason, and I'm not, I'm not, no pun intended. I'm not being mealy mouthed about this, <laughs> but the fact is that you know, at the same time, we're seeing uh, people in nursing homes who are being given six dollars per diem for food, and that seems to me to be there's in, inequity in that. Yeah. Um, you know, that and it might only be fifteen or twenty dollars. Maybe people think, oh well, you know, that's but I think that also, you know, people in lots of work environments have team lunches mm. and people contribute. And I think that, you know, if it's a long standing practice, why was it wound up?
4: Yeah, and also, you know, you can even look to the fact they won't raise a new start or youth allowance, but yeah. they want their meals paid for. Seems so a bit well, hypocritical.
2: Yeah, I think so. Well, I think it's certainly worth looking at. We've put questions on notice about that as well. Mm.
4: Okay, well, moving on to uh, last time uh, we did the show, we spoke to Shadow Finance Minister Jim Chalmers uh, about the tampon tax, which mm. of course the Labor Party have said if you win government that you will scrap yeah. it. But Jim wasn't ready to give me a position on what you guys wanted to do with the Greens bill, which is being introduced well, into the Senate.
2: Well, no, we're happy the Greens. I mean, they obviously announced that bill uh, after we had made our announcement, yep, that's right. and that's fine because you know victory has a thousand fathers, <laughs> and I always like to to, you know, quote, um, there's a very, we have a mug at home from, which is from the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library. And it says, there is no limit to what a man can achieve if he doesn't mind who gets the credit. So we don't mind because we think the tax should come off. And I think our view would be that, um, you know, the bill's obviously worth considering and worth looking at. But we have, we are the only ones with a fully uh, taxed, a fully, fully costed approach to um this issue okay, to removing great. the tax. And so we are, you know, we are not all I often think the Greens political party is all care, no responsibility.
4: Oh uh, coming from the Labour We bench. are
2: a responsible <laughs> we would we would be a very responsible government, so it's a fully costed measure.
4: Okay, I've got to leave you with one final question. We've just found out from the High Court that David Smith will be mm-hmm. replacing Katie Gallagher. What's he gonna be like? Is he going to be just some boring no-name backbencher? or is he going to shake things up is he going to as a as a, as a well, head of professionals australia is he? is he going to tell people to break the laws on workplace sites what do you reckon no
2: i don't think so i think uh, he'll be um you know i would like to say all labour senators are exciting personalities so i'm sure he'll Ooh.
4: be <laughs> i don't know what twitter <laughs> thinks about that uh, hashtag BuzzFeed Look, I'm a big fan of Helen Polly's Twitter. I will want to put that out there.
2: <laughs> so I think he'll make a great contribution.
4: Okay, great. the Kitching, thanks so much for joining ah, us on BuzzFeed Ozpol. And you can hit us up anytime with the hashtag BFOzPol. I will be reading out some of your fantastic tweets in a few minutes. Welcome back to BuzzFeed. Ospol live here from Parliament House. Let's have a look at some of your tweets. None of them about estimates. Very disappointing people. I really, really thought that you'd get involved. Um, from at Sylvana the Bear, Fantastic Twitter name, I should say. My word, Senator Penny Wong is a formidable parliamentarian and... Interesting. A question most people have from Jesse Earle. Can you explain what estimates is for and why it is important in our political system uh, besides the great clips that come out of it? Well, I might throw that to our panel who are here. Kyla Lusikian from The Daily Telegraph and Phoebe Wen from The West Australian. Uh, So estimates, I mean, it's budget estimates. So fundamentally, the idea is to probe the government about spending, isn't it?
6: Uh, I'd normally use them as kind of a holiday, like a little break from actually doing any work. But yeah, that's the point, I guess, is to to ask about where the money's going and you kind of find out all these interesting things. Just about 20 minutes ago, we found out that the government's going to cut AFP numbers by about 800 in the next five years. So little things like that. Well, I guess that's a big thing. But things like that, that would fall by the wayside that, that you wouldn't otherwise find out unless you did some fairly lengthy FOIing uh, come out pretty quickly, which is very nice to know.
4: Now, Kylie, you have written uh, today about uh, some crossbenchers who say the government are giving up on the company tax, cut, tax cuts because One Nation have pulled the pin. Is this it? Are they done? Are they over?
6: Well, Sterling Griff, so he's one of the former Nick Xenophon team um, senators, Told me yesterday that when he was talking to the negotiators, trying to work out where you know if they could pass it or not or support it, there was a sense of resignation. You know, they'd kind of gone quite, pretty quiet in terms of negotiating. So yeah. it looks like. Um, it's just not going to go anywhere. Although, interestingly, the AFR's Phil Corey had a very funny line in his story today that, um, you know, Pauline Hanson saying, well, we've seen the budget and that's why we've decided we can't go after, you know, we can't support these tax cuts. But apparently James Ashby, uh, her you know main advisor, was texting Darren Hinch uh, days after the budget saying, come on, we've got to pass this thing. So... Questions, many questions. But Phoebe,
4: isn't it more about Longman, aren't they? The reason that they pulled the plug is because they want to win the by-election up there, steal some votes from the Liberals?
3: Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it does seem that on One Nation um, as well as Labor polling appears to have picked up that uh, you know these these this policy, the tax cuts for big businesses that are you know six or seven years out, are an albatross of a policy. And uh, you know, Pauline Hansen seems to have changed her mind and just in time for the by-election. So how yeah, convenient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but
4: realistically, what option does the government have if they want to negotiate? Can they? drop the percentage of tax cuts from 30 down to 25? Can they say, oh, we'll exclude the banks? I mean, Kyla, what is there any room for negotiation here?
6: Well, I don't think so because everyone, all the other crossbenchers have basically said they won't, support a a cap on you know the, the size of the businesses that are getting tax cuts except for Darren Hinch yeah I think he's open to one of 500 million dollars or something like that but no one else looks like they they really want to budge so it it I can't I can't imagine where they would go and what changes they would make in Central Alliance so there's two senators they really need them um, they don't like they, they are either for it or they're against it and they're mm-hmm. not really looking at kind of fiddling around with it.
4: Yeah. Now, Phoebe, we speaking of Super Saturday and by-elections, there's two coming up in Perth. There are. Uh, we don't have a date.
6: We
3: don't have a date. But we uh,
4: don't have any Liberal candidates. Why aren't the Liberals running?
3: Uh... <laughs> Because they, well, I guess there's two arguments. Um, some say it's because of money. Um, mm. They say that, you know, they can't afford it. Uh, I don't think the Liberal Party is particularly uh, strong in WA at the moment. Uh, you know, their fundraising isn't going that well. So, uh, you know, uh, do they have the funds to, to run a by-election that they don't expect to win? And they also just don't think they, they're, there uh, you know can compete, um, which is strange because it's a marginal seat. Uh, The margin's about 3.3%. The Liberals won the primary vote at the last uh, general election. So uh, So do you think
4: they'd rather uh, get Georgina Downer up in Mayo than get anyone up in WA. Is that the vibe that we're getting?
3: Uh, absolutely. Or well, they, they definitely think that they have a better chance of winning there. And, uh, you know, some people are saying that something has something to do with the, the GST issue. Uh, they know, don't want to talk about the GST. don't want to talk about the GST in WA. while well, they're also talking about the GST in South Australia and Tasmania. <laughs> so um, read into that as well. no one's but, happy
4: and they never will be. Yeah. Uh, Kyla, you've written up in the paper this morning a speech given by Andrew Hastie overnight where he's made some allegations about uh, a Chinese-Australian don't know who's being investigated by the FBI for bribery. The PM said this morning, these allegations aren't anything new. So why? Why did Andrew Hastie give this speech?
6: So th- what has happened is this guy, cha Chak Wing, this is what Andrew Hastie said in Parliament yesterday under... A- you know, privilege, basically. Um, It it has been written up. Parts of it have been written up before. But the the problem is, if you don't have privilege, uh, you know, it's quite circumstantial. And he uh, is known to be a man uh, who likes to sue. So at the moment, he is pursuing Fairfax. I think he's pursued some other publications for defamation for saying that he might be the guy. So now um, Andrew Hastie has said it and, and we can all report on it. And one of the points that he made yesterday was that Uh, you know, the fact that the the defamation law is such in Australia that you can sue over these things pretty quickly, uh, it has a chilling effect on free speech, and that's why he's made the statements in Parliament, which means now that we're all free to go and basically report on it. So the the actual documents that he tabled are are largely from 2015. So this is, is, I think it was 2015, yeah, 2015. Um, But now, I guess, finally, uh, we've been given uh, legal permission in a way to kind of look into some of these allegations.
4: And do you think this will have any impact on Australia's relationship with China, given that we've been talking about that's how so great diplomats have been frozen out yeah. of attending, although Chobo did go to an AFL match there last week, so...
6: Yeah, that's true. Look, it, there might be some implications on our, on our relationship, but I think, more importantly, kind of at the heart of the of the matter is how if, you know, the question is whether, Chinese, whether the Chinese government or the Chinese Communist Party, for instance, are attempting to influence uh, politicians around the world through kind of, I mean, one of the issues is and what makes it so open to defamation is that there's no direct line. So, um, you know, through these kind of networks of rich businessmen who sometimes donate and sometimes, you know, curry favour with with various politicians. And that's the that's the question I think that's kind of an important one to, ha- to, to kind of hash out.
4: Now, finally, Phoebe, I wanted to ask about a story that Sarah Martin wrote in the West mm-hmm. Oz this week about the ever-unfolding, will it ever end, Barnaby Joyce and okay. Vicky Campion uh, relationship. Now, they have denied a Freedom of Information request to release her travel costs. What is going on? Why won't they give... Surely we should be able to find out the travel costs of a political staffer. Uh, well, we have tried and we have not been able to.
3: Uh, so on this issue, the watchdog uh, for the parliamentary expenses seems to have a funny idea of freedom of information. Um, you know, they, <laughs> no information. No, no information. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they have released some documents, but there's just um, D- you know, huge blocks of text redacted. Did say that it was going to
6: cause some sort of possible threat of physical violence or some ridiculous thing like that? Yes,
3: was some... uh, it was endanger life.
6: Endanger uh, life. That is interesting. Uh, yes.
3: Oh. So we have been able, to, unable to get. Get, you know, the details of the location or the travel dates um, of, um, you know, staff in, I think, Matthew Canavan's office. So, mm. uh, you know, uh, they have released some documents, huge chunks of text. Text are missing. Uh, so Did it really redacted. help with putting
6: the puzzle pieces of puzzle is
3: together? Is there a
4: precedent to do this, or is this some kind of reaction to the media scrum that we've seen around this story?
6: Uh. <laughs> No one really FOI staff. I mean, it's been kind of like a, a convention that you don't really um, try to get staffers involved. So they they mm. often, unless you like a very senior member of staff for like the for a minister, mm. for instance, they often exclude you anyway from FOIs. Like they'll redact your name yeah. and all that type of thing. So I guess this is kind of a new situation in terms of of what's going on. So we, I mean, we've the Telegraph has a few FOIs on foot at the moment, mm. and we've been turned down for a few in the past, but. Since we got turned down for the first few, we've realised that we've had to be very careful in the wording and, and what we are re- requesting. Like if we, if we just put in writing, can we please have the travel information for this person? Of course, they're going to say no. So we need to be slightly more clever about it and kind of, I guess, still cross our fingers and mm-hmm. hope hope really that something comes out of it
4: now obviously this was the telly uh story that 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 you guys broke did you do you think that with this continual stonewalling of freedom of information requests and you know the government's obfuscation of refusing to answer questions are we going to get to the bottom of what exactly did happen between those guys or is this is the story over
6: i hope so but um it's very it's i don't understand what the the incredible amount of stonewalling is is about um if if there's nothing to
4: hide all right phoebe Kyla, thanks so much for joining us here thanks. on BuzzFeed OzPol. And that is all that we have time for this week. We will be back, same time, 11 o'clock next Wednesday, the 30th of May. Guys, it'll still be estimates, and you know who's up next week, Jobs Minister Michaela Cash. Will we get some answers on the media leaks from her office about the police raids on the AWU? My hot tip, we will not, but always worth watching you can hit me up i am at workman alice on twitter we are of course at buzzfeed Auspol. if you missed anything from the show it'll all be chucked up online there but that is it for now i will catch you guys later see you on the timeline